0: Tired of the everyday routine? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all?
1: We offer you...
2: What's up, guys? Welcome to Breaking Walls, episode number 51. My name is James Scully. Tonight on Breaking Walls, we're headed over to the gallery. A couple of weeks ago, I got the opportunity to attend the first ever event for an emerging New York art collective called Numinal Space. The event was housed inside a Brooklyn boulders location in Long Island City and purposely thrown the evening before Donald Trump's presidential inauguration. With so much seeming opposition in the U.S. today, Numinal Space's wide range of artists participated with a single collective goal in mind, well, really a triumphant of goals, to create more unity, opportunity, communication, and inspiration. A large portion of the proceeds generated at this event went to charity, specifically Planned Parenthood and the Bronx Defenders. Numinal Space's creators Andy Ong and Caitlin Marie Minor founded the collective with the mission to bring individuals together to share experiences and inspire emotions through art beyond the confines of traditional outlets. Numinal, by definition, is the opposite of what we would think of as the textbook definition of phenomenal. I guess the best way to describe it would be it's the it but without pretension. It's the steak minus the sizzle. If the steak is good enough, it doesn't need the sizzle. So beyond all of the noise and all of the BS, there's the thing. What is the thing? Is it important? True to Caitlin and Andy's beliefs, the show at Brooklyn Boulders occurred while the gym was open for business. People were working out, climbing, connecting, right as the show was going on. Some of these people, after their workouts came up, checked out the art as well. Some of the people at the art show afterwards went and worked out. The two separate groups shared the space in harmony, which showed me while I was there how easy, if we want, cohabitation is possible. So, in today's show, we'll speak on location with Caitlin and Andy about the experience running Numinal Space, as well as their own sense of duty to the community and creative outlets, plus what they're looking for in the future. Along those same lines, I'll catch up with designer and illustrator Jenna Stemple about where her sense of creative expression comes from. I'll also speak with architectural partners Franklin Rojas and Ama Racinos about where form and function in architecture is headed in their opinions, you'll also hear from Brooklyn Boulders head of marketing, Joe Caravaglia. We'll talk why Brooklyn Boulders, why right now, and what's next. But before I get into the body of this podcast, I do want to make a few announcements. If you just discovered breaking walls on social media, you can find out more about what The Wall Breakers is at thewallbreakers.com. TheWallBreakers.com. com. You can subscribe to Breaking Walls by searching for the same on iTunes. And if you like us here, you can also follow us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash The Wall We're on all social media outlets at The Wall Breakers. I've recently launched a t-shirt line in honor of the five boroughs of New York City with Staten Island MC and also episode one of Breaking Wall's guest, Rev Rant. Rev and I go way back. We went to high school together. Very talented guy. Truly cares for his community. We want to continue to help inspire unity amongst all New Yorkers. We feel like, you know, no matter black or white, no matter what city or borough, with Unity, we all have a voice and we all have a choice. That's a lot about what this show at New Middle Space was about as well. So you can check these tees out at jamesthewallbreaker.com shop. And hey guys, rep your burrow. We've got two designs we're currently offering. They come in black or white. And we're selling these t-shirts for 20 bucks. And uh, <coughs> now that we've taken care of some housekeeping, I hope you brought your climbing gear because we're about to be transported inside Brooklyn Boulders at 2310 41st Avenue in Long Island City, Queens, New York. We'll break gender lines, we'll break artistic rules, and we'll do so after this brief pause. So stay tuned for Breaking Walls, episode number 51. a very crowded Brooklyn boulders. People are climbing, or sweating, or laughing. People are connected. Normal space has taken over a portion of the downstairs area. Artists have their work displayed either on tables or some art is hanging from the rock climbing walls themselves. I'm seeing everything from architecture, to illustration, to design, to textiles, to photography, and most importantly, listen to this energy. I'm feeling a lot of positivity in the air tonight. And uh, oh, hey, there's Caitlin. Let me go talk to her.
3: Running around.
2: I want to talk to you. So, when we last spoke, you were in great anticipation for this first event. Yeah,
1: and now we're here. Uh, How do you feel? I feel great. We sold out ahead of time, which I had no idea was going to happen I actually didn't know until right before I was like what if five people come and they were like well we've sold way out of capacity already before this morning we had already made over $700 for the Bronx Defenders Fantastic. yeah before just even opening so and we've sold a lot of pieces and we've had way more entries since then so I'm really excited to see the final price tag on the donation
2: what were the logistics of having a gallery event in a working bouldering Place as and if the bouldering place isn't closed. No, no, no. It's open right now, yep. people are here working out.
1: Yeah, I think that's the best part about it. It was kind of difficult to figure out the curation of the whole event. For example, you'll see the climbing wall that we're looking at with all the art in front of us right now. It still has climbing holes on it and it's still like very much an active space Um, and what we were able to do was take these bolts that were able to suspend the art further away from the wall so it gives the art this floating effect Mm -hmm. and I really wanted a space that wasn't just a white box because this is about like a grassroots community of artists and this is more about nonprofits and giving back.
2: James. Oh James,
4: nice to meet you.
2: There is nothing wrong with beautiful gallery walls, but in 2017, there are definitely, fair or not, stereotypes about gallery pretension in the art community, especially in New York City. Think about what you think a Williamsburg gallery is supposed to look like, or 15 years ago, think about what you think a Soho or a West Village gallery is supposed to look like. This evening at Brooklyn Boulders is nothing like that. And at this point, Andy Ohm dipped into the conversation. Oh, James, nice, nice, to you, you.
1: Yeah, James. Fiance, nice to meet you. Andy. Yeah, it's James. It's my fiance, Andy. I was
2: curious about Andy's photography, which was depicting men and women nude in various positions that would redefine what we would consider normal gender roles.
1: Uh, I was uh, looking, that's of it. your photography
2: there, right? Yes, yes, correct. What's the inspiration for your photography that you're presenting
4: here today? I want to do something with body language and how we perceive body language, as in what's masculine and what's feminine. So I can want to just show the woman in a traditionally dominant position based on her body language. Yeah, that's kind of what sparked it. There's some acro yoga where men are traditionally the base because they're the stronger person but in that picture there's a woman the base and the guy the flyer yeah it's just showing that based on body language you know that shows like that. that's a closed position yeah this may be oh that's a manly position yeah, like your
1: arms crossed and your
4: chest down
2: right like what oh, that position. actually means is i don't want to be vulnerable right now yes it could be
4: exactly It's
1: super sexist thought anyways that's not how gender what's the line between gender and then what's the line between body language because I'm very cognizant of that when I go into a meeting I tend to take up space, I lean back, I have my arms open, I try to be more masculine in my gesture and be like oh no I have power, I have say here, but then really like what does that mean? That just means not that I have. Power body language is more masculine. So it's kind of playing with the power, feminine, masculine. So
4: it's like, what is masculine though? Is it showing power? Does that make it masculine? Yeah, and that's or? a societal
2: conception. Exactly. Right, not right. based in any kind of real right. fact. Exactly. It's not real. <laughs> so what I'm definitely noticing as an overall theme of this show tonight, it has a lot to do with human energy, how we interact with the space, how that's changing. I was speaking to the architects about the rigidity of architectural forms and how we're starting to break free from that or even the fact that we're in a working bouldering place right now. Your art is hanging on a wall. People can interact. People can be working out. And nobody's pushed off about it anymore.
1: Oh, no, you they know? love
2: it. <laughs> right, it's bringing people closer. To what is it about human form that innately wishes to be free of rules and confinement? Is it that the more we progress, the deeper our sense of self, and then the deeper our sense of self, the more we realize most of the rules in front of us aren't really for our own benefit? I spoke with architect Franklin Rojas about how his sense of limitlessness comes out in his architecture. Design partners? Yes, correct. How long have you guys been working together?
0: Well, we've been working for the past two to three years. Okay. have recently about to be three years working together. We actually got, we went to the same college, New York City College of Technology. Graduated under the same major of architecture and technology. And our major, actually, one of the main things they try to contribute in architecture is fabrication. And for me, fabrication just opened my idea of conceptual design, that we're allowed to expand our minds, not have limits, so we're limitless. Once you have the mindset of being limitless, so you could design anything. So in terms of what Anna was talking about is in terms of nature. Nature gave us a space and us as humans we are building spaces for each other. So for architecture for me personally I want to where I see myself in the next five years is owning my own digital fabrication company where I'm able to take fabrication and make it limitless in terms that I'm able to create anything that comes to my mind. I do not give myself a limit because everything is possible and everything should be possible. You should put that in your mind, in your, in your head. You should be able to do it.
2: Architecture could be an incredibly meditative thing. And if you look at the history of an igloo, a teepee, a yurt, as compared to a steel structure that you might see in America, do you see... As a society, you're talking about being limitless. Yes. Are you the outlier or are you becoming more of the norm in that thought process? What do you mean by the
0: norm norms
2: of what society follows or I would say that the majority of the people who are in this room right now gravitate more towards your line of thinking than more of a straight and rigid correct just
0: mental approach to life. Right. So the way I I'm very very spiritual and I like to see life in that terms. So for me, society gives us a system, a, a, a rule that we follow, a norms we follow. Just like the structure today is steel, um, just basically square buildings, rectangles. Up, they don't express its design. So and we me, as humans, by yeah. way, not to cut you off, we're not straight and rigid. No, correct. So that, that's the thing. Uh, as a human body, and especially the mind. Is such a beautiful thing. You can't just define what it is. So we take that and take it into architectural, in terms of fabrication and technology into architecture to we'll expand that idea. So just in terms of spirituality, the lights in a space, and interior space, would put you in a better mood depending on the color of the light. If you're working at a firm or a facility or a job, if you bring nature within that space, you'll feel different because you're interacting with nature itself. Because before we had spaces, we had a space and that was nature itself. I personally am not going to stay in New York. I actually want to travel to Germany, Spain, London and other countries throughout over the seas because I believe I'm here for a purpose. And that purpose is not to stay in one spot, it's for me to travel the world, what nature has to offer to me because that will allow me to expand my creativity of
2: what I want to create and, you know, share with Anna then chimed in with his thoughts on spirituality within architectural form. There's a lot of interconnectedness in architecture, and I feel like people are becoming more
0: aware of that, especially through the use of technology as well, using the integration of robotics and 3D printing to create forms that activate to the person. Even even something as simple as changing the color of the lights as soon as you walk in, and it can be detected by the mood you're in. Stuff like that is becoming more people researching it more into spirituality is like how it's connected to you like how colors and sound can
2: change your mentality or your health and then I feel like it's a very big push that we need to make as well to advance it and just... I would definitely say that having a deeper sense of connection with the world around us helps us feel limitless. It also gives us artistic inspiration. Along those lines, I caught up with artist and illustrator Janice Stempel about where her sense of inspiration comes from on her table, there was everything from nonsensical art to incredibly detail-oriented, hand-lettered type to art that would make you laugh or possibly make you uncomfortable. Hey, is this yours? Hi, I'm James. Jenna, nice nice to, to meet you. I am friends with Caitlin, and oh, nice. I'm also audio recording this right now Oh, because we're going to use this for a podcast okay. in a couple weeks. I'm noticing a combination of both women's empowerment and a snarky that too did you design this specifically for the inauguration and your thoughts on it or is this something that you were working on and it just yeah. so happened to be
3: Yep. my friend sarah kaufman who i work with is friends with caitlin so she hooked me up with the show and i just make crafts in my free time and was happy to bring a bunch of stuff that i had already made here
2: so nasty oh snap cunt pussy power <laughs> eggplant yep. and some nicely designed dookies over here What's the inspiration behind something like this?
3: I hate to say it, but just to make myself laugh. Okay, that's fine, right? <laughs> yeah, it's fun to just have an outlet outside work to make things with my hands, because I spend a lot of time on the computer. So it's just whatever makes me chuckle at the moment and that I think people might want to have in their house. And I love tchotchkes, so Do you? <laughs> happy to contribute. Luckily, what's really trendy right now in teen book covers is hand lettering. I think people like to feel, like, obviously things swing back and forth between really digital and really handmade, and I think now we're in a a really handmade type of trend for book covers so it's been nice to do lettering for work and then just to make fun things on the side that aren't necessarily about love triangles and my parents don't understand me and,
1: yeah, exactly. and that type
3: of stuff. I mean I love teen book covers and luckily we have a lot now that are like Woman with Sword, Conqueror's Castle, just some more mature subjects.
2: Maybe being inspired and making ourselves laugh is another way to be open to learning. According to Frankie Rojas, our school system, system
0: is completely different. They teach us things that we're not prepared to step into real life. So in terms of money, how to, what job do we need, they, all they tell us is get a good grade, get a good degree, and work all, for the rest of your life. And life should not be like that because in this generation, especially this generation and the further generations, we should not be thinking that way. We should be expanding our minds of thought. So... For me personally, when it comes time for me to have a family and have kids, I'll take them to travel, to have them explore the world so they personally could experience that. If we all do that as humans and parents, then the, the mind of sets for people will be different. Right so, but that would definitely take work in through throughout the years, because if I wait to 20 to 45 to to travel the world, it's never too late, but the timing there, some of us we just give up or we're like, you know what, we can't really do much of a change. But for me, I always have a mindset that everything is possible, so everything is limitless. So once I put that in my mindset, I could do anything I, I want, even if people tell me I can't. Everything's possible.
2: I almost find that when people tell me I can't do something, that's more of a, an affirmation in my mind that I can, Correct. and they're just afraid that I can. <laughs> Same here. Because uh, as society, what we don't
0: understand, or what we can't comprehend, or- We shun. Yeah, we don't want to. We're right. like, you know what? No, thank you, I'll just stay what we have. Just like for my mentality, as I grew up as a child, I grew up in a family with seven kids. Dad would just work every day. My mom would work every day, would put food on my table. They just told us, go to school, get a good grade, and get a degree and work for a job. For me, at an age around 10 years old, I already knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to own my own company, I wanted to get an architecture degree, I want to be able to proceed a corporation that will not bring me wealth, but also my family, my future, you know, grandkids and family that I want to have, so once I bring that, them, they'll be the new generation that they have a background
2: internationally. Frankie is right. The more we can travel and expand our minds, the deeper we'll feel a sense of connection with the world around us, that's something we should all want to pass on to our children, but. What if we don't currently have money to travel? What can we do with the world that's already around us presently? I spoke with Brooklyn Boulders Head of Marketing, Joe Caravaglia, about how Brooklyn Boulders is taking a similar approach to the way they run their company, and also what makes Joe passionate enough about Brooklyn boulders to be their head of marketing in the first place okay that's a 2 part question right so, so the first question was why not close down the space for an art
5: gallery event you know you were surprised that we were still open and that has a lot to do with just who we are as a brand and what we're trying to be so we're trying to be that all-inclusive hub of the community really so I mean if you look right in our logo it's Brooklyn boulders climbing and community community is a really big aspect of what we do it is not just climbing it is not just working out, it's not just fitness, we bring in cultural elements, art elements, fitness elements. We're really We exist to bring out the best in people uh, whether it's their physical potential or their mental potential we really just try to try to maximize people's confidence in themselves and their ability to rise above everything and conquer whatever it is that they're out there to do whether that's a really hard rock climb or you know conquering their next play or their next art piece or their next musical piece we actually do artist residency programs where we where we empower the people in our community to do art here. Actually, if you notice, if you walk around, all of the walls are covered in murals. It's all local artists, all climbers, and we try to get them to be involved, You know, get their art out here, and then just build that sense of community. Um, you know, That's what really makes us stand out. And then I think the second part of your question was, why am I the marketing manager of Brooklyn Boulders? What do I see in this company? And um, you know, that's a really loaded question because I've, I've been climbing for 13 years, so climbing is like... I'm just designed to do that. So this is just a job for you? It's not. It's a total passion play. I've done the finance thing for a while. You know, I've I've worked in agencies, and I really, I wanted to align my passion with my work, and that's what I think Brooklyn Boulder sets out to do for the community. Really, with our co-working spaces, people can come in, they can work on whatever it is they have to work on, and then they can, you know, climb, you know, free, free up their minds, meditate a little, take a yoga class, go back to their work. And the reason I'm working for Brooklyn Boulders, it's. Align my passion of rock climbing with the way that I make money and survive, which is unavoidable evil, unfortunately. But the company is growing really fast, and we are bringing this sense of community to new places, new cities, influencer cities, cities that are cultural hubs of art and music and intellect. We're also in Boston, we in Chicago, and we're growing to all of those influencer cities, if you will. And that's a big reason why I'm here. I believe in a mission. I believe in expanding the sense of community because my, my philosophical beliefs is like we're all one anyway. Why not really why not really make that tangible, right? Yeah. Why, why not give people the sense of that
2: when they're here climbing? And, and that's what I think Brooklyn Boulders sets out to do. and that's, that's really- Perhaps as a native Brooklynite, I'm biased, but Brooklyn Boulders' mantra is so Brooklyn to me. At one time, Brooklyn, if you don't know, was referred to as the bedroom of New York. It was where people went home after they were working in the city. People lived in Brooklyn. Brooklyn was a place of neighborhoods. Really, it still is. And in a world with so much technological isolation and curated falseness, getting out there to our own local communities and meeting more people helps us grow. Here's Joe again. It's a little bit of a paradox there, but um, it's, it's a lot of what we're trying to do. We're trying
5: to allow people to unplug. Actually, in March, we're going to be taking part of National Day of Unplugging. So we're actually going to get people in here. We're going to have them drop their cell phones at the front desk, drop their computers, come in here, listen to an acoustic band. You know, it's really about uh, taking yourself out of the out of Facebook for a couple hours and, and really focusing in on increasing your awareness and engaging in an activity like climbing is is a good way to do that. It helps you. Become aware again of your body, and it really disconnects you from every all the buzzing noise of, of New York City, and, and, and on your Facebook feeds and Twitter feeds. And it's um it's really important for us to to get back to that community, and um you know to pull people away from their news feeds so that they can engage with other humans like in real life. Right? What's real? Yeah. This what's, is real. Exactly. <laughs> is it though?
2: well well you know George Harrison said the farther one travels the less one knows so well put (laughs) is there anything about Brooklyn Boulder that you haven't said that you'd want people to know
5: we're coming to your city okay we're gonna take over
2: fantastic
5: thank you we're gonna get you involved in our community we're gonna make you play acoustic sets we're gonna get you in on some art, we're going to make you do a mural, we're going to get weird together, we're going to make it beautiful, and we're going to establish a community that's all-inclusive,
2: that is culturally diverse, that is intellectually diverse, and that inspires and innovates. If you're interested, the National Day of Unplugging is the weekend of March 4th to 5th, 2017. For more information, go to nationaldayofunplugging.com. Towards the end of the evening, I caught up again with Caitlin Miner and Andy Ong. I wanted to see how Andy was feeling now that the show was over and what was next for Numinal Space. We've closed this show, basically, and I'm excited to do another one.
4: Find more artists to come out and showcase their work. You know, I think the purpose, the reason why I started Numinal Space was to create a platform. Mainly for people who just want to showcase their art and they don't have to go out go to like a label to a gallery like, please exhibit me, here's my art, I hope you like it. I hope it fits here. Yeah, I know this person, this person told me that my art would be great here and I was wondering if, if you think the same. Whereas I'm like, hey, you make art, bring it out, and I think it forces someone. I want to make more themed exhibits where an artist can sit down and create a body of work that is cohesive. And I think me as kind of like an amateur independent artist, usually I make things on the fly, something spontaneous. I don't really think through it. You know, that could be good and bad, but I think if you want to do something, you know, say for a commercial or, you know, say there's an artist who wants to do something professionally, Well, they're going to have to sit down and say, I need to make something consistent. And I think that's kind of what I'm trying to help people maybe develop and also give them an opportunity to showcase, say that they did showcase their work in a gallery, It makes it more legit. And it gives them confidence to do it. And maybe, you know, hopefully they can grow as an artist. That's basically it. It's just kind of giving back. Because
1: there's a lot of economic and educational barriers that you have to get through to be an artist. And that's something that I take for granted because I feel like I was born an artist, but that's because I'm very lucky. So giving people a chance to exhibit in a curated setting and create a curated piece of work is something that a lot of people don't get and that's what we're trying to do, and I think doing this event has given me so much more faith in people because the outpouring of support we got is amazing. Our sponsors, our beer sponsors were phenomenal. Brooklyn Boulders, and giving us this collaborative space to work with, they really understood that we wanted a community space that was involved with the gallery, and then all the artists and everyone that showed up, out of the goodness of their hearts, to come support, and it's like, yeah, it's about art and it's about creating this kind of space for people, but more importantly it's about giving back. Giving back to the artists and giving back to the community and that's something that people will show up for. I think we have like a short-term and a long-term plan. Like we do want to have a show possibly at the end of the summer which will benefit the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which is a nonprofit that I work very closely with. But I think um, Andy has like, as the founder, has like all these like long-term plans about getting into the public school systems. Specifically in the Bronx, and offering this kind of like um, youth outreach program through art, like through communities that are not able to experience art and like cultivate and showcase art in the way that the art world sees as like a reality, basically. So there is like a long term plan for like opening up a shop, basically. For that, okay. So which Andy can speak to. I mean, yeah, and
4: basically, you know. You know, I started making music. That was my first outlet, uh, my, my first creative outlet. And it has given me so much, you know, relief and comfort. And, you know, it just gave me a place to kind of, you know, get through the hard times. And I feel like, you know, it's important for people to experience this, you know, or to have this kind of outlet and you know if, if they don't if they find an outlet in something else all right fine but you know there are a lot of people out or a lot of kids out there who, who don't have that outlet or don't have you know the funds to get the tools to experience that type of outlet so the long term is I like to do more shows you know and fundraise money to give back out to the community especially you know like high school kids where, you know, they might not have a job, you know, like, you know, full-time job, you know, they're still going to school, but, you know, if they could go and get a keyboard, you know, some, you know, tools for painting, drawing, or even, like, a computer, a camera, a film, you know, that, that'll go a long ways, you know, giving them that opportunity to use a tool that they wouldn't have if they, you know, didn't have, you know, the funds to get. I just want to give a shout out to Brooklyn Boulders. Thank you for donating the space. Um, You guys are awesome. And also to Six Point Brewery and LIC Beer Project. Thank you for the beer. Everyone enjoyed it and everyone had a good time. Thanks a lot.
2: It really is so important to both give back and pay it forward. As I mentioned on the opening, one of Numinal Space's only rules about this show was that a portion of all art sold needed to be donated by the artist to a cause that they supported. The Bronx Defenders was one of the main charities. They helped give those in need everything from representation to groceries. Another main charity that artists were donating to was Planned Parenthood. I asked Jenna Stemple why she was donating all of her proceeds there.
3: I think the right to choose is specifically really important to me as a woman in general, but as a human, I think it should be important for everyone and just hearing stories on the news of how far people have to drive to find a person to get an abortion. And it just seems like white men in Congress shouldn't be legislating women's bodies and all the reasons you traditionally hear, I completely agree with. I think that that seems like one of the biggest organizations that will be under siege right now. And that seems to me like your money can make an immediate impact.
2: I really think that no matter what we care about or where we're currently at both mentally and physically in our lives, it's never been more apparent how desperately we're all searching for connection and a sense of purpose. Numinal space is providing all of those things. And the beauty is there's no cornering the market on love and connection. We can all have that. Love is one of the most abundant natural resources in the world. We just all have to be willing to be vulnerable to have a deeper sense of it. I would really like to thank all the artists who participated in Numinal Space's first show for giving me their time. If you're interested in joining Numinal Space and want to see firsthand the work of artists mentioned on Breaking Walls tonight, please go to Numenal.space. That's N-O-U-M-E-N-A-L dot space. To connect with Caitlin or Andy, send them an email at we at Numinal Space and be on the lookout for new shows from Numinal Space in 2017. Jenna Stemple's work for HarperCollins and others can be viewed at JennaStemple.com. That's J-E-N-N-A-S-T-E-M-P-E-L. Anna can be followed on Instagram at anner.r.more. That's anne dot ore Franklin can be followed on Instagram as well at I am underscore one. That's the numeral underscore of a kind. Both were recently featured in a Brooklyn Boulders blog post leading up to the New Space show, which I'll include in the links within the information for this episode. And finally, if you're interested in learning more about Brooklyn Boulders, please go to brooklynboulders.com. As I mentioned on the opening, I've recently launched a New York City-centric t-shirt line. Shirts can be found and purchased at jamesthewallbreaker.com shop. These typographic shirts use the names from each borough, the slang names, that's the old If you know about them, then there's no explanation necessary. And if you don't, no explanation will suffice, as we New Yorkers will know what that means. And they're hopefully here to help inspire unity among all us New Yorkers and all the people too. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to Breaking Walls, episode number 51. I want to thank Caitlin and Andy for giving me the opportunity to conduct on-the-scene interviews, putting people on the spot. They had no idea they were going to be interviewed when I went over and spoke to them. We're now in the beginning of February. We are in a very, very unknown landscape here, both where we're going in our lives, what this story is with the rest of the world, where we're headed as a country. There's a lot of unknowns right now, but we are headed towards the spring. The days are starting to get longer. February is a short month. It turns into March, and before you know it, springtime will be here. I hope that you listened to these snippets of conversation tonight, and I hope that they made you think made you open up your mind a little bit more. And hey, even if you were already open, there's like love. You can't corner the market on being open. You can't corner the market on giving thanks and can't corner the market on allowing vulnerability into our lives to have some serendipity and grow from it. I will be back in the middle of February with the next episode of Breaking Walls, episode number 52. So, and I will only say this about it. If you're interested in holistic beauty products or personal training, it'll be something that you definitely want to listen to. So until next time, guys, my name is James Scully. This has been Breaking Walls, episode number 51. And I'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you very much.
3: WBBN, the Wallbreakers Broadcasting Network. Thank you, and good afternoon.